Hey friends. We're excited to be together. Are you ready to worship? Are you ready to hear from God's word? We're so glad you've joined us. It's gonna be a great morning. Amen. Um, this is the point of the service where we get into our Sunday teaching. And so if you want to grab your Bibles or uh, get your Bible app up and open um, on your phone or however you utilize that, you can go ahead and do that. But I'm going to do something that's a little bit different. I don't often, I don't often pray right before the teaching. Now, that doesn't... Don't get that, don't misunderstand that. It doesn't mean I don't pray. I pray a lot. And it doesn't mean that I don't pray for the Sunday morning teaching. Typically, by the time I get here, I've been praying all week long. And I have been once again. But this Sunday is a little bit different. You'll understand why here in just a minute. And so I want to, if this is okay, I want to I just pause and pray before we get into the message today. Would that be okay? Will you join us online as well as we pray? And, and if you don't mind... It may feel a little weird for you if you've never been in, in church or this kind of church. <laughs> but if you're, you're okay with it, would you stretch your hand toward me? And, and really, don't just listen to me pray. I want you to pray for me. Is that okay? Pray for me. And I'll pray for us. God, um, this, every time I do it, is too big for me. It's uh, too big of a challenge for me to engage by myself. But if I'm with you, if you are in me, if you are speaking through me, then Lord, I, your word says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I am asking you to speak through me today. I'm praying that you would tell me everything that you want me to share. I pray that you would help me know exactly how to say what you want me to say. I pray in Jesus' name that everybody's listening, that everybody who's listening in this room and online, both today, like right now, and later on today, and on Tuesday, and on Saturday, and in the weeks and months to come, if they're not listening live, I pray in Jesus' name that you would just soften hearts. Your word says, if you have ears to hear, then hear. If you have ears to hear, then listen. And I don't want people to listen to Tony today. I want people to listen to you, God. I want people to listen to the voice of your Holy Spirit. So if people walk away from this experience today, and they don't remember who I am. They don't remember my name. They don't remember my face. None of that matters to me at all. If I can know that they will be convinced that they have heard from you. 
That's all I want. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Preaching and teaching is hard. <laughs> it's it's dif difficult. It's tough sledding. If you've ever tried it before, you already know that. And that is not to say that I don't love to do it. I absolutely love to do it. But there are some days that are harder than others. There are some topics that are harder than others. There are some passages of Scripture that are just a little bit more difficult to unpack. And my assignment today uh, is a great example. And let me just go ahead and say this too. I wasn't planning on talking about this today. In fact, for quite some time uh, on this day, what is today? What's the date today? May the 20, is it 20s? I'm already in the 20s. Yeah, it's 15th. See, this has been a tough week. Yeah, 15th, right? May the 15th, I had been planning for quite some time to start a brand new teaching series on this morning, but over the last few days, I have felt what has come to be a very familiar tug on my shirt and in my heart, telling me, no, that's not exactly it. I felt like the Holy Spirit has been saying, no, I got something else in mind. So, with that in mind, here we go. Are you ready? <clears throat> Got two people over here and three people over here. All right, I'm going to preach to y'all. Thank you. All right. Roe versus Wade. Did everybody get tense? Did you feel that? Did it get tense and edgy in here? Did the temperature drop? Did you turn down the air? I don't know. Truth be told, Roe versus Wade is a sticky subject. On that we can all agree, amen? As I'm sure you know, this was the landmark Supreme Court decision back in 1973 that basically enabled women in this country to say that they had a constitutional right to have an abortion. Well, several days ago, if you're paying attention at all, you know we found out quite by accident... <laughs> by a leak that's unprecedented as far as I know in our country's history, that our now current Supreme Court is planning to overrule that ruling because a majority of the justices on our current court believes that our Constitution does not, in fact, um, tell us that anybody has the right to take the life of an unborn child. And so if this decision holds up, it would end up, it's, it doesn't necessarily make abortion illegal. All it does is it will now turn the decision making back to the states. It will allow each state to make its own laws when it comes to the matter of abortion. Now, is everybody happy about this decision? The answer is no. Everybody's not excited. In the last few days, again, if you're paying attention, if you're Watching the news, reading the news, you already know people <coughs> who believe that a woman should have the right to make her own choice in these matters have been picketing outside the homes of some of the justices of the Supreme Court. You know that others have disrupted church services just like ours. Many of them have defaced and vandalized church buildings. They have, some, in some cases, set fire to buildings where pro-life advocates are are working, and last week, 
It's happened as well. We have several political leaders who made a strong, strong push to pass a bill that would expand abortion rights even more at the federal level. So this is something I think all of us can also agree on. This seems to be a big deal. Regardless of your vantage point and your perspective and your, your attitude, your, your ideas and opinions, we all can agree that this is a really big deal. And I would agree. In fact, I would go so far as to say abortion is a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death, and I just feel absolutely compelled to talk about it today. And in doing so, let me just go ahead and make a commitment to you today. That is what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk. Why would you say that? Well, if you've been around here for a a little while, you already know this. When it comes to the Sunday morning teachings, I tend to get a little bit animated. On Sunday mornings, I am so very passionate about God's Word and what we find therein and the opportunity to tell you about it. I get a little bit amped up sometimes, maybe. Amen? But I'm going to try to dial it back just a smidge here today, and I'm going to tell you why. I don't want you to think that I am not passionate about this subject. Because that's not the case at all. But let me tell you why I do feel like I want to just kind of back it down just a little bit on the passion meter. It's, it's for this reason. I think when it comes to the issue of abortion, many of us just end up screaming at each other instead of talking to each other. Does that happen in your world? It happens in mine, and I ain't here to scream at you today. I don't ever want to scream at you. Nobody's going to want to listen to Tony if all he does is scream. Screaming is not good. But silence isn't good. Silence isn't good at all. In spite of the fact that right now, now that you know my topic for the morning, you know my assignment, some of you might already be thinking, Tony, don't do it. Back away. Abandon ship. Run. Leave this alone, because if you don't leave this alone, people are going to leave this church. And if they happen to stay in this church after they hear what you have to say, they're still going to be salty. They're going to be mad. They're not going to serve anymore. They're not going to give anymore. You are going to get some nasty emails and text messages if... Maybe. Maybe, but if if I'm right, And if this really is a matter of life and death, I got to tell you, I can't, I can't just be silent. I can't stay silent. And, you know, listen, let me just go go ahead and dive right in. Can I? I understand that some would challenge me right there and they would say, Tony, in fact, it's not actually a matter of life and death. Tony, some would say this in, this in this conversation. You've heard this. Maybe you've felt this way before. I've had conversations like this too. Some would say, it's just a fetus. Relax. It's just a clump of cells. And to be honest with you, I can kind of come a little bit in your direction. We're all just a clump of cells in a manner of speaking. 
you're just a clump of cells, I'm just a clump of cells, but here's the truth of the matter. I think we'd all agree on this. You are more than just a clump of cells, and I am more than just a clump of cells, and I want to, I want to um, just have you think about this. I would suggest to you that the baby inside of that mommy's womb is also more than just a clump of cells. This is a human being. This is a human being with dignity, with value, with worth. This is one, as we read in God's word, who has been made, this is a crazy thought when you really think about it, but one who has been made in the very image and likeness of God himself. So yeah, it's a fetus, but it's more than that. In fact, what is a fetus? A fetus really it just kind of means this. It means it is a human being at a particular stage of human development. Not unlike a two-year-old toddler. Or not unlike many years later a teenager or a 35-year-old man or a really, really, really old man. These are all, think about it, these are all just human beings at different stages of the human experience. So again, yeah, it's a fetus, but it's not just a fetus. From the moment of conception, that's a person in there. And you want to know who else agrees with me? You want to know who else? Just about everybody. Unless they think they don't want the baby. Really, at least as far as I can tell. This is what it comes down to so very often. Can I, can I give you a case in point? When a woman finds out she's pregnant, what does she say? She finds out she's pregnant. She and the father will say, we are having a baby, right? We are having a child. You have never heard one person say, great news, everybody. We're so excited to, we're going to put this on Facebook, and we're going to put it on the gram. We want everybody to know we are having some fetal tissue. Isn't this awesome? So excited to, you've never heard one person say that. If you get pregnant, nobody's going to throw you a fetus shower. Have you ever been to a fetus shower? Have you ever, no, no. Nobody's going to ask you if you have picked out a name for the fetus. Nobody's going to ask you or muse about the gender of what your fetus might be. Nobody is going to rudely ask you if they can reach over and touch your fetus bump. It's not happened. What does the doctor say? The doctor, the doctor after the, the checkup, checking you out, make sure, he, he, he says this. He says, looks like the baby is healthy. He says, looks like the baby is growing. He's grown this much since last time you were in, and it's really, there's a baby. Or sometimes the doctor might say, I think something's wrong with the baby, and I'm concerned. Sometimes there are people in here this morning, and I understand that there are people watching online. Sometimes we have had to share the sad news. We have lost the baby. Some, some have said, you know, on Friday, in fact, out in the park, we're going to have a service to honor 
our child who we believe is now in heaven. And my, if that has been you, I know that's, no, that's many of us. It, my heart goes out to you. I have such great compassion. But why were you so moved? Why were you so broken? Why were you so heavy hearted? Because you know you didn't just lose a clump of cells. You lost a child. Again, the, 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 the point here is this is an actual human being. In fact, this is, this is the interesting thing. If you, if you read God's word on this, if you, if you want God's opinion, if that matters to you, it doesn't matter if the baby in the womb is wanted or is not wanted. It is clear, at least to me, seems to me that God sees this as a human being as well. How do we know? Because what do we see in God's word over and over again? Let me give you some examples, all right? In God's word, we see things like this. This is just one example in Genesis 25. If you're familiar with this story, this will, you'll, you'll know this quickly. Rebecca, a gal named Rebecca is pregnant with um, twin boys, right? Their names are Esau and Jacob, right? And we read this in Genesis 25, Genesis 25, of God's inspired word, inspired by, we, we believe inspired by the Holy Spirit, right? Inspiring writers to write what they wrote. The Bible says the babies jostled each other within her. So in other words, they're fighting each other in the womb. If you've ever been pregnant with twins, maybe you've had that happen before. This was happening with Rebecca. She's like, what's going on inside of me? They're fighting it out. They're duking it out. These babies. In the original language, the word that is, this is so interesting to me, the word that is used uh, in Hebrew for babies is the exact same word that's used elsewhere in the Old Testament in the original Hebrew to talk about babies who have already been born. So it's the exact same word talking about babies who have been born and babies who have not been born just yet. So in other words, it's not just two little clumps of cells in there going at it. These are little teeny tiny human beings. Hosea 12.3 kind of picks up on this story. If you write in notes, just jot these down real quick because I'm going to move quickly. Hosea 12.3 says, In the womb he, who, who's, who are we talking about? We're talking about Jacob. In the, while still in the womb, Jacob, the actual person Jacob, grasp, this is when they're, they're duking it out and having WWE inside of mommy's tummy, all right? Jacob grabs a hold of his brother's heel. Because he gets him in a toehold or whatever. I don't know what's going on. He's going to get him in the, the figure four leg lock, if you remember that old wrestling move, right? Inside of mommy's tummy. But he is wrestling with his twin brother, ends his twin brother inside the womb. But this is the exact same Jacob, if you know the trajectory of his story, that later on outside of the womb ends up wrestling with God himself. He's been wrestling since day number one. He eventually wrestles with God himself, if you know that story, but it's the same person. It's just a different stage of life. Another example, Luke chapter 1. In Luke 1, we'll put this scripture up on, on, up on the screen for you, but we read about a guy who, a, a gal named Elizabeth who is having a baby, right? Anybody remember? This is a little bit of trivia for you. What, what's the baby's name going to be? John, very good. Natalie, thank you. You're, you may be the only one who knew that. No, we all knew it, I know. John the Baptist, in fact, is the baby inside of her tummy. And in the original language, this is, this is Greek, Koine Greek this time, the word that is translated as baby in the original language, anybody guess 
Got to guess what it, what it means in the original language as well? Baby, right. It's, it's, it's the Greek word brephos, which, by the way, this is very interesting. It's the exact same word that they used to describe John the Baptist in the womb, the exact same word that they used to describe the baby Jesus after he is born. It's also the same word even uh, for children who are a few years older, the children uh, who were brought to Jesus so that he could bless them in Luke chapter 18. The exact same word is used for all of these children. And speaking of Jesus... Let me blow your mind. You ready? Does, does it boggle anybody else's mind to realize that even Jesus himself was a fetus at one time? It's just crazy. When Jesus, the, the very Son of God, God himself, come in human flesh, when he came into the world, how did he do it? He came into a womb. Mary's womb, Matthew 1 says, Mary was found to be with a little clump of fetal, no, that's, that's not how it reads. Wait a minute. Matthew 1. Mary was found to be with, what does it say? With child. That's, that's a child. Through the Holy Spirit. Are you following me on this? So it turns out, that what we heard from the earliest of ages, what, what I think maybe most of us, maybe, maybe even all of us, I don't know, maybe all of us heard from the earliest of, uh, of our days when, when we were reading that holy and sacred text, um, Horton Hears a Who. Anybody remember that sacred, say, Horton Hears what did, we, what did we learn? We learned that a person is a person no matter how small. A person is a person no matter how small. And if that's true, and I believe it is, I feel like it addresses some other thoughts that you also hear in this debate. For example, here's another one. Some folks would push back against kind of my vantage point, my, my thoughts on this. They would push back and say, no, 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 no. My body, my Choice. You've heard that too, right? Very common. Again, maybe, maybe some of us come in here today and you, that's, that, that kind of makes sense to you. Maybe you're watching online, you're thinking, yeah, my body, my choice. Okay, I know what I would do, I know what I wouldn't do, but I'm not going to, okay. But that's just it. As we just discussed, we're not, we're not actually talking about a person's kidney. We are talking about an actual kid. This is, not a, this is not a surgery on somebody's lungs or their esophagus or on their pancreas. Again, again, listen, hang on to this because this is, this is a big part of it for me. This is a biologically distinct and separate human being with his or her own little tiny body. This is a separate little boy or a separate little girl with his or her own developing brain and his or her own developing heartbeat. As a matter of fact, I think the heartbeat, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the heartbeat can now be detected as early as like six to seven weeks or something. That's amazing. We're hearing heartbeats at six and seven weeks in the womb. I read this the other day. I thought this, this, was, this is incredible. Between conception and birth, 
From the moment of conception to the moment of birth. Did you know this? The baby's heart will have already beaten approximately 54 million times before he's even born. It's incredible to me. This is a baby with his or her own separate DNA. This is a human life. That somehow, by the way, this is kind of cool, that God is already working in. God is already actively working in this life while he or she is in the mommy's tummy. Let me prove it to you, at least from God's word and that perspective. Psalm 139 says this. This is, this is David just kind of ruminating on, on what God has done and been from the very beginning. He says, God, you made all of the delicate inner parts of my body. And watch this. You knit me together while I was still in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. You watched me as I was formed in utter seclusion, woven together. Where? In the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Nobody else saw me, but you were watching me even before I was born. Every day of my life was already recorded in my book. Every moment was already laid out before a single day even passed. God already had a blueprint in mind, a plan for his life while he's still in his mama's womb. Then there's this in Jeremiah 1. God, God himself says, Jeremiah, I knew you even, even before I formed you in your mother's womb. I already knew you were going to come. And I knew you personally. And I already had a great plan for your life. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. The Apostle Paul over in the New Testament chimes in like this. This is what he says in Galatians 1. He says, God, God set me apart from my mother's womb while I was still baking. While I was still cooking, while, before I even came into this world on my own, he called me by his grace. So again, you can tell me later if you, if you see this differently, but I, as best I can tell, at least from God's word, God doesn't see that unborn baby as you know, just another part of the mom's anatomy, Right? So something that she can kind of do her own thing with, whatever, whatever she sees fit. That's not how God sees it. God sees this as a child and a distinct creation, one for whom he has extraordinary plans. Do you see that? And then how am I doing so far? No screaming? Okay, I've gotten a little bit amped up. All right. I'm doing, doing okay so far? Still others might kind of push back and say, Tony, here's my problem with all this. And I've, I've heard this too. And I, I, I would love to have a conversation with you afterwards or later on if you want. I've heard plenty of people say, you know what, pro-life, this is, this is what I think. I think pro-life people are, are really only pro-birth. And they really only care about babies in the womb. They don't really care about babies once they come out into the world. And they really, really don't care about the mamas. They really don't care about women as well. Have you, have you heard this one before? All right? Maybe you maybe you thought that. Maybe you feel that way today. All right. Let's just let, let's let's chat about it just for a second. I want to just kind of tell you I don't understand that argument because as, as as best I can tell, 
there is absolutely no data that I've ever seen that supports that idea. In fact, in fact, I feel like that the exact opposite is true. Let me, let me break it down for you. Regarding the babies, <coughs> for decades and decades, at least as far as I can tell, it has actually been a lot of pro-life people, not only pro-life people, don't misunderstand me, but a lot of pro-life people who are very often also followers of Jesus, by the way, who have been the ones who have been starting feeding centers. They have been the ones who have been building schools, um, starting <coughs> foster care programs, starting adoption programs and, and adoption uh, movements of various kinds. In fact, it is often pro-life people who are the ones who are first in line to foster. It is, it is often pro-life people who are the ones first in line to do the adopting themselves. Many of them, many pro-life people have also given their lives to help children get free from slavery, not only here in this, in this country, but all around the world. Um, many of them have built clinics and hospitals specifically for children all around the world. I actually know pro-life people who have done all of these things. In fact, we as a church have done many of these things. And about not caring for women, okay. But I, on one hand, I think the majority of pro-life people actually are women. Am I, am I right on that? I've read that in several places, <clears throat> with a lot of men as well. But we do have empirical data on this type of thing. We, we do actually know that by the thousands in this country, and again, all around the world, pro-lifers who also very often end up being Christ followers, have been, listen, listen, they have built and led and funded and volunteered in um, crisis pregnancy centers, like, like you just heard from one uh, a couple of months ago, OA, Oasis Crisis Pregnancy Center. I read this the other day. I thought this was amazing. Here in the United States, there are four of these crisis pregnancy centers for every Planned Parenthood location. For every one Planned Parenthood, four of these types of centers that I'm talking about, and again, most of them, their services are absolutely free just out of the goodness and the love and compassion in their hearts. So listen, listen. This is, this is where I think this, this, this part of the conversation really gets, gets lost in the weeds, so, so pay attention right here. It is absolutely true that many of these pro-life folks um, are often skeptical and, and leery of certain types of really big government programs. That's true. Many pro-lifers are like, that kind of a government effort and pro, I, I don't know if I can put my trust in, that's absolutely true, but I hope you can see this this morning. In absolutely no way does that automatically mean that they don't care for women. It does not mean that they absolutely don't, don't have anything to prove that they care for women, because we're talking, again, think about it, we're talking about people who start and then lead, and then donate, sometimes extravagantly, sometimes in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, with millions of dollars. They donate to shelters that protect women. 
from domestic abuse and violence and abandonment. They donate to rehab programs. They serve in rehab programs for addicts. They work with educational programs for those who are struggling financially. They provide material resources, counseling, parenting courses, financial assistance, housing, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you something that I don't know. I know tons and tons of people who have done exactly what I just said. I know tons of people who are doing exactly what I just described. Many of them, if you don't believe me, are sitting in the seats in this room. I will introduce you after church is over, if, if you want. 